Welcome to another episode of Trek This Out, a Star Trek podcast. Um, today we are going to be discussing uh, Season 4, Episode 8 of Star Trek Discovery, All In. And today I am joined by the lovely Andrea. Hello. The even more lovely Suki. Don't you know it. <laughs> and the utterly delightful Jack. Hello, Jack. Hello, everyone. So uh, Jack is one of our foremost correspondents. Uh, you may well recognise uh, Jack from Twitter. And he always has a lot of interesting things to say, so we thought we would invite him along to hear some of those. Uh, so normally at the start we do a bit of news, but let's start with Jack-related news. Would you like to tell us in a couple of sentences your Star Trek story and anything else that you think is particularly interesting? Uh, yes, well, I think basically Star Trek is... I don't know what I'm doing with my hands. Pretty central to everything is... I don't even remember a time where I didn't like Star Trek. So I highly suspect that when I was a toddler, my parents were just like, hey, next generation, watch that. Watch that now. And I've been watching ever since. Uh, I even got into my... I remember my interview for my secretary called Deputy Headmistress. I wasn't too into the school because I was 11 years old and then I noticed she had loads of Star Trek posters so we ended up talking about Star Trek for half an hour and there's of course conventions made friends along the way hello and <laughs> there's it basically um what was I gonna say? oh yeah there were other people at work big Star Trek fans so there we go Excellent. Trekkies in the wild is always one of our favourite things. Andrea does a good uh, a good line in Trekkies in the wild, don't you, lovely? <laughs> I'll bring them out of the woodwork, though. They, they try to hide, <laughs> but like, I'm so out there with me sort of trekkiness that I, I sign work emails off with LLAP and I'm just to see who gets it. <laughs> it's like a little test. <laughs> no. I, like, I would love to think what somebody who did not know what that stood for thought that stood for. Well, there's people who blatantly don't know who've never asked, so... Okay, I'm asking then, what is LLAP? <gasps> don't, don't, don't all flipping look shocked at me. Live no. long and prosper. Oh, yeah. What a... Oh, my head in shame. I know. Siki, you are the... Uh, Retro. The, well, yeah, yes, he's also the nominated non-Trekkie, I think. You would acknowledge yes, that Siki has... Yeah. Many abroad and various uh, obsession. Uh, however, Star Trek is only one of many. Um, but he is welcome here, and he is on a learning path to becoming something. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> something. Not even a trekking. Something. Well, I didn't want to. I, I thought I was about to stumble into the who is a real trekkie debate, and that's not a debate. I have any any intention of wading into. I have, a, I have enough problems with a doctorate. Yeah. I'm good. You're not a proper doctorate fan. You're not a proper doctorate fan. Uh, it's never a good sign, is it? Yeah. Right. Um, does anybody have any other news Star Trek related? Ideally, did any of you know that Connor uh, Connor, Connor Trenere and Dominic Keating? They've got a podcast out on Enterprise. I found out this morning, yeah. right before I was really depressed, because then in the same tweet they said 
is 20 years since Shuttlepod 1. And I was like, oh, oh, right. 20 years ago, that, that, yeah, quite a while. Sorry. No, no, these things do happen. I have to say, like, their Twitter account appeared a wee while ago, and I think I actually posted. And I was like, is this real? Is this fake? I am suspicious. Because, like, nothing really happened on it. But then, obviously, it's a thing. It's a real thing. So. Yeah, they put videos up and everything, so it is proper ongoing thing. Yeah, it could mm. be interesting or awful. Who knows? Um, but we shall have but to wait and see. There's, there's, there's a load of these sort of things where... Uh, people from TV shows are just doing their own podcast. The the girls from the office, they're doing one. There's mm-hmm. uh, the two uh, doctors from Scrubs, they're doing one. Um, two and a half, not a uh, packet of Chris, uh, Ralph Little and Will, they're doing one. So this is just another one that's just jumping on the bad work. Well, Robin Garrett, they're doing yeah. one. Um, so the Delta Flyers is the thing. I think it all started with the West Wing Weekly, though. Um, it probably did, yeah. I think uh, Harishi, Her- K- I can't say his name and that's awful. I'm really sorry. Um, but Rishi and uh, what's his name? Joshua Molina um, did the West Wing. Um, and it was delightful. If you like the West Wing, you should definitely listen to that. It's a good retro uh, listen. Well, I've literally seen three episodes of the West Wing and I'll let you guess which, like, is it three? Was it two or three? It might be three. I'll let people guess which ones those are. Is it in the show to Gunman, the one where the president gets shot at the end. I, I would strongly suspect oh. it has to do with a certain actor appearing <laughs> yeah, in them. Uh, <laughs> how did I not think of that? <laughs> it's all right. I, I have been long exposed to Andrea and her delightful obsessions. <laughs> I um, So my exciting thing that I would like to talk about is the fact that Out Magazine has had like a Star Trek Discovery uh, themed series of covers uh, yeah. that have been being sure, shared this week. And I just need to talk about them because they are delightful and like just incredible. There are some fabulous photos going on there. Um, and like the Discovery cast is just fierce. Like they're just fierce mm-hmm. and epic and delightful. Sorry, I just thought I would share that. I didn't recognise <laughs> Anthony Rapp in here. So I had to like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, did, I didn't recognise him at all. Yeah, they gave him eyebrows. It's a thing. And a little tosh as well. I don't know that they gave him a tash, but they definitely dyed his hair or they they put something in his hair and his eyebrows. And it, yeah, it was quite. I I really like the picture, but it is quite strikingly not looking like him. I think Mary Wiseman's ones in particular are just Mm. phenomenal. I'm like, I'm not. I don't particularly identify it as being gay, but I would. Um, She's just there's an energy about her, and it's delightful, and I love it. Uh, so yes, that's my exciting piece of news. Suki? The only other thing I'm going to say is regarding our own podcast, uh, yes. since we've uh, been, we did our last regular episode, we've now got a little spin-off for, for us, uh, which is based on Star Trek Prodigy, where we've got the Davies family coming on, and that's Sarah and Steve and their daughters, Izzy and Evie, um, and they're discussing the Prodigy episodes for us on a weekly basis. Uh, we're going to try and get them all on together with one or two of us sometime next week, and we'll have a good little chat about Prodigy uh, with them, and then uh, that can carry on continuing with their weekly episodes for us. Have you ever uh, been listening to these guys? Oh, yes. <laughs> Me too. And they are so much better at this than we are. Shh, this is don't terrifying. tell everybody. Shh. 
Don't tell everybody. <laughs> no, well, I'm just saying that they're very good. And if you're not listening to them, you really should. You should also be watching Prodigy because mm. it's excellent. Oh, so good. And I think I was like a lot of people. I I thought probably not gonna be for me. I'll give it a go, maybe. And it was. It really is so good. And apart from anything else, there's something really lovely about they're quite easily digestible chunks because they're only about mm. 22, 25 minutes long. Um, I think particularly when life is hectic and your brain is a bit mushy, like something that is just like a little a little snippet is really nice. A bit like Lower Decks, I quite enjoy like a little 20 minute, 25 minute block. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to say this and they have mentioned it on one of their podcasts. I don't know if I've actually if that podcast has been released but they're also thinking once this run of prodigy is finished they may actually go onto the animated series so mm-hmm. i'm just giving you fair warning here because <laughs> there might be only one or two episodes before they give up just in case well you know there i suspect is... we were quite scathing when we reviewed an animated series episode yes. i don't think we were particularly kind I was the most. Uh, I was the one that was trying to get everybody to uh, get on board, but in the end, now even I was rolled, rolled over. <laughs> was it the counter clock incident or something? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your history with this then, Jack? Uh, with the animated show, do you were uh, for or against? For the animated series, if I was to do a list of all the Star Trek shows, I'd probably put that at the bottom. But I think that one has aged the worst out of all of them. Even it's it somehow even aged worse than the original series, which is ten years older. Having said that, some episode count uh, count clock is I remember that being all right. And yes, the year I remember being really good. It's got the whole uh, storyline of uh, treating pets well. But apart from that, I can't remember anything about it, to be honest. I, love, I do love Lava Decks. Uh, I do love Prodigy. But... Well, clearly it's a TAS issue, um, which no more shall be said currently, because otherwise we'll go down a hole and be there <laughs> forever. Um, so without further ado, uh, here is the trailer for uh, Season 4, Episode 8, All In. Casino is a dead zone by design, so all of our weapons, tech, and comms have to be checked at the door. The Federation has no authority on Parathia, so we'll be on our own. And there may be a few surprises, I'm not sure. Any questions? Just one. You can verify stellar surveys yourself. Why bring me? Saru told me what happened at the subspace rift. How you didn't want to stand down when he told you to. I was totally out of bounds. I, I apologize to him. I know. But I also know how it feels to want to do something, anything, and how it feels when you can. Thank you.
best way for it. We're here. Karma Barge? So that was uh, this week's episode. It's lovely to have Star Trek Discovery back. Um, we've spoken a little bit about this on the show, but Jack, or on the show, on the podcast, because, you know, you know, we're those people. Um, Jack, how did you feel about season breaks? How did you enjoy, like, did you feel like um, your enjoyment of the kind of story arcs have, has been kind of disrupted or did you enjoy the break? How did you feel about it? Oh, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, I guess, because you did get Prodigy in the middle, so it's like, it's not as bad. I, because I have my degree in US history, I know Sweet Sweets Week is a thing, and that's why I do season breaks, so I can elongate it, but I was kind of disappointed that that even though it did end with a sort of a cliffhanger, I was surprised it wasn't an out of the blue cliffhanger. It's just like Michael sees like the Borg or something like that. I'm sure we would have all had thoughts and feelings had the Borg rocked up, but yes, I, yeah, I totally see your point. It wasn't perhaps the big end of part one or season four part one uh, that we might have expected okay so let us do the usual uh suki what were your first impressions of all in all in yeah i was definitely all in after this okay uh yeah i enjoyed this episode a lot more than i have been enjoying the previous few uh, i don't know why but is it maybe because even though I've been advocating the fact that we need bigger crew dynamics and all the crew getting involved and everything, this one seems to be paired down to just Booker and Michael with Owushikan as a backup. Uh, and it just seemed to be more tighter paced and everything. And the storyline seemed to move along quite quickly. I didn't care too much about what was happening back at uh, the Federation and uh, whether we're discussing what the DMA was all about. But the fact that these... Uh, the storyline set on the that has his planet or uh, the the casino just uh, got me in, into the storyline and I really enjoyed that part of the story. Go on. Andrea, what about you? I enjoyed it a lot more than on paper I really should have because like, you know, like scenes with like card games and stuff like that. It's like I kind of like internally grown, oh, just get it over with. Um, and I'm going to say this very carefully because I know like Jack's a big Bond fan, so I might get shot here. But like, you know, all of those like like the card scenes in Casino Royale and stuff. It's like the most boring bit of the film. It's just like get on with it, like skip to the end. Um, but I actually really enjoyed the episode. Um, I think it was really well done. Oh, look at your okay. local wildlife. <laughs> Just let me, uh, just let the police pass my uh, my door there. Um, so yeah, I, I did, uh, I did enjoy the episode 
more than I would have expected to if I'd read about it before I'd watched it. And I think it, it did quite a lot to move on the story. Um, it wasn't, I was expecting an all guns blazing kind of return, like just kind of kick the season off and they didn't do that at all. Um, but I do think it worked. Okay. Jack, what about you? What are your first first impressions? Well, my first of all, I'm going to say there, there was no danger of shooting and I'd probably miss anyway. But also, I when I first heard what the title would be all in this this last weekend ish, I was like, "Huh, the episode I'm I'm doing the review on is has the same name as a wrestling pay per view, and that's obviously quite big for me." So, I'm like, yeah, that worked. Fortunately, it turned out to be quite good. Very positive about this episode. And I think, I I mean, I know nothing about cards. Absolutely nothing. My knowledge is basically how to make a very dodgy house of cards, and that's it. <laughs> and even I was like, this thing, I mean, it's obvious that they're hustling them, but I don't know how they didn't pick up on it. But yeah. All good. Okay. We shall come back and discuss uh, some of those points in more detail later, I suspect. Um, I was, I, like, there were bits of this episode I really enjoyed. I, up until we got the the kind of info dump at the end, I thought almost exactly the opposite and that it had done absolutely nothing to move the plot forward because we were in pretty much exactly the same place as we were, which is Book has run away and he's going to do a thing that's a problem. Um. And it's full of people saying things that I strongly disagree with. <laughs> so we shall come into that uh, as we delve in a bit more deeply. Uh, Andrea, would you like to start with what what did you enjoy about this episode? What were the things that, that, that kind of struck you? Um, so I think just as a little thing, very early in the episode, there was a, a little sort of reference to the Eisenberg class, which, which I had a, a sad little smile about. Um, and I... I kind of like that the it's sort of I think it's a little bit more than fan service isn't it but I think also like it's not like obtrusive it's not like it's not like it's a sort of turn into fan wank if you like um I, I think those those touches have been done really nicely throughout this season um of just those little things that that we want to see or we want to hear um I'm hoping, and it does desperately seem like they're going in that direction, that Tarka isn't just some sort of villain from the movie universe or something we've seen before. Um, they seem to be presenting him as someone who's a little bit more complex, a little bit more interesting. Um, he's clearly working for somebody. Um, when he's saying cost isn't an issue, my first thought is who's bankrolling him. Um, so who is who's who's kind of behind him in the shadows, which I think is potentially quite interesting. Um, I like the fact that um, Vance is definitely not a bad moral, um, but actually comes across as somebody who I think um, is worthy of his rank, um, which is very unusual in Star Trek because normally, mm. like, if you go past captain, you, you automatically must be a dickhead, um, and they seem to have strayed away from that trope as well. Okay, can we pause here for just two seconds? Can we can we have a conversation about the fact that the president quite accurately goes, you're too close to this. You need to do something else. 
And then Admiral Vance goes, yeah, but I want you to do the thing anyway. Like, this is not kind of like mutiny. Like, like. But like, is no. it technically, is it technically because he, he does give her the, he gives her a way to be able to help book or find book, but still do it within whatever the president's told her to do. But the president has explicitly said, you're too close to this, it shouldn't be you. Hmm. But in reality, like, if it was, like, a boyfriend who'd, like, gone AWOL or whatever, you wouldn't send them because they are not going to be objective. But it's Star Trek, so obviously it has to be Michael. There's there's no one else in the entire plot who can do this job except for Michael. So reality versus Star Trek reality is, is quite different. I think you're probably right. Was anybody else surprised that we got this encounter with Book as quickly as we did? Like no. I thought we I thought we were maybe gonna get some more build up and a bit more kinda like I thought we would get a bit of build up to it, but I think he David Jarl himself is being very highly touted in the it's like guys, I guess it would be so. I reckon the producer have gone. Oh, we picked up from this. He might have to go soon. Let's make a lot of them while we still got him. Yeah, I just it felt. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like I uh, yeah. I, the pacing of the whole thing felt a bit weird to me. But that's maybe just me. Sorry, Andrea. Let let let's return to our positive thoughts. Um, no, I think that's a, I think that's an interesting kind of point, um, and it sort of makes us interested at what type of uh, captain Vance would have been because I, I think they're very much like playing on that kind of those kind of maverick characters, um, which which I quite like. It appeals to me. I know it doesn't sort of appeal to everybody, but I, I quite like that idea of, of, of I like the rule breakers. Um, and as you know, my my love and affection for Michael Burnham has, has grown like massively since she became like an out and out bloody like Kurt off, but in a good way. But don't <laughs> don't you think Burnham was so much more fun in this episode than she has been in a long while? In that when she was sitting around that table uh, playing cards, she was funny. She was making jokes, and she seemed a lot more likable and interactive. I could say as well. Than she has been in a while because she's been the captain. Mm. She's been slightly aloof and she has to step back, and, except for when it, whenever it involves book. But in this case, it involved book, which she, this showed more of her personality. Didn't you think that? Especially around that uh, poker table. Definitely, definitely. So I think Jack, you touched on this earlier that, like, and this happened at a couple of points because uh, Tarka the Otter and Book were also really bad spies in this episode they were like the worst spies in the history of spies and then book and burnham were the worst card sharps <laughs> like card sharks card sharps anyway. I, would, I would say the worst spy is james bond because who doesn't change a name and tell everyone who they are okay i take that point but he's better at like subterfuge and counter surveillance than either book or dark or the ottawar who were just talking at full right. volume in the middle of a casino where they were ostensibly spying on people but uh, you could also look at the uh has his uh, casino there surely in most casinos you see cameras everywhere you yeah. see cameras everywhere and so where's his cameras when this changeling is just walking behind a pillar and suddenly changing bodies so what's happening there 
So my, my understanding was that within the casino, th there's no sort of tech allowed because obviously there must be tech, which makes it very, very easy to cheat. So I've got the, unless I've picked that up totally wrong, and um, just from what Michael was saying about I won't be able to like, there's, there's no weapons, there's not like there's no sort of communication or anything. Uh, mine was that it was like a, a technology black spot for, for that very reason because it'd be probably it'd probably be too easy to cheat. Um, Which then makes even less sense of the fact that he was walking around with the scanner out in the open and nobody was like, what's that guy up to? Yeah, there is a point there because he did have that technology on him, didn't he, as he's walking around? And also, how does Michael's scanner work? It doesn't work, does it? Did it work? Did she have a scanner? Yeah, no, no, it's not a scanner, it's a tracking device, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, well, she maybe, smuggled the tracking device in, didn't she? It maybe it didn't work within the casino, but once it leaves the <coughs> planet, it kicks uh, in. Then. Ah, yeah, I, I'm with you. So it's a sort of dabbling feel. So other things, so we need to talk about Washington's like feature feature role in this week's episode. Um, obviously, we'd spoken a bit about the fact that they seem to be getting a kind of a bit of lip service that you were getting a little bit of an insight into some of these secondary characters, but we weren't sure whether it was uh, COVID related or budget related or if other things were ending up on the cutting floor. But this week, definitely not. That was an actual proper like plot line with somebody. <laughs> it was up, exciting. Yeah, up front and centre, kicking ass in, and she she mm. hustled. She was a very good. I mean, having to be knocked about for two rounds, losing two rounds to get it up to 45 to one and then be able to knock the living daylights out of the air. The, the chap was, you can tell, was much bigger than her. I just think very impressive. Very impressive. I was going to say that boxing scene, like that, that kind of fight scene, it, it felt very like Battlestar Galactica, very Starbuck. Uh, that was like kind of what it made us think of. So... I quite liked it. I thought it was good. Um, and I, I think, as I say, we've been mourning for, like, bridge crew character development for, like, a really long time now. So, like, you can't really complain when you get it. You've just got to be like, yep, thank you. It's another example of their cheating being really obvious. So, like, it wasn't the most subtle venture they'd ever played. Well, yeah. I'm also thinking... Sorry, Jack, go on. So, sorry, I, I was just like... When, when she was so obviously hustling to the people like m miles away could see it i was like how has no one seen this coming and also when it it was the only time when michael has been like no you can't do it no you can't do it can i do it yeah all right yeah how many times do you you only have to take something to her twice and she'll she'll change her mind well, but that was all staged, wasn't it? Yeah, because think, they were yeah. trying to play the other guys. But like, I literally wrote as soon as it started, I was like, "Oh, they're about to play this, aren't they?" Um, like, 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 I just—it was really obvious. They're like, "Oh, she's gonna lose. Oh, oh, she's gonna keep going and keep losing." Particularly when they started upping the, the, uh, the, the um, betting, whatever. Uh. Also, where did Burnham's money? Right. In fact, let's let's rewind again. So Starfleet have no jurisdiction in this area. Well, you wouldn't like walk in and dress uniform and be like, "Hey guys, it's that Starfleet buying illegal shit." Could do. I know. Yeah, no, you have a point there. You are most other uh, these sort of ventures in previous Star Trek's they've all gone incognito, haven't they? They've they've taken off their uniforms and just gone in casual wear, like. But yeah. this time, for some reason, I did notice that straight away. I I was wondering why they were doing that as well, and 
the fact that um, she had all this latinum on her uh, to be able to go around buying the illegal stuff as well. Uh, I'm not sure how that actually stands within Starfleet Federation rules. Well, we've kind of touched on latinum before, haven't we? Because like there have been other references to like buying mm. stuff and trading things that all seems a bit strange. Mm. Um, but it does also seem slightly odd to me that like latinum is still the thing. Like several <laughs> centuries later, we're still using latinum as opposed to I don't know palladium or. But you've else. got on these feder on these sh uh, ships these days you've got replicators. So how do you know that latinum is actually latinum? And not just something that, that one of the replicators on the ship has just manufactured about ten minutes before. And is is replicated latinum worth le worth less than naturally occurring latinum? Latinum. Is there any difference? Like in theory, there shouldn't yeah. be, should there? Shouldn't be. So you can just you like the Bank of England, you can just print your own money. Yeah. Hmm. Presumably not. Presumably, like latinum, there is something about latinum that means you can't just I mean, replicate it because otherwise it would have no value as a currency. Well, otherwise, Quark would have like destroyed the replicators every week, like just turning out what's latinum or deep space nine. So now that's an episode of watch. <laughs> I I have like all sorts of feelings about like hyperinflation and stuff because like you can just see like Starfleet like just keeping like producing lat. Oh no, uh, that's it's too much like real life. Let's move on. Um, excellent. Okay. Um, Andrea, did you have any other good and shiny thoughts? Um, I think the um, I think one of my favourite lines was something about strutting about like Klingons in a disco. Yes, um, I have written that one down too. <laughs> I can just see Klingons in a disco now, and I want to see that episode. They have to well, be singing D-I-S-C-O though. <laughs> <laughs> the the um, has has seems to be saying all sorts of things, and you. Uh, I just didn't understand them, but everybody also didn't who were listening to it didn't understand them neither. They were all giving each other side eyes, weren't they? And I think, how is this a, a reference to whatever's going on? One was like, jab a Brussels fly and I'll grab a cornbread or something like that. And it, uh, somebody that uh, I think book says crystal, crystal, and giving each other a side eye. I'm thinking, I don't understand what he's saying, but everybody else seems to understand his uh, turn of phrase, basically. I didn't notice that at all. There was a couple of occasions when he said they've said mm. weird things, and I just like, what, what's he said that for? So, admittedly, I've only managed to watch this episode once, but I didn't clock that at all. <laughs> I'm just thinking because Klingons have been referenced now, like they're clearly still around because we mm. still are yet to see or know what's happened to the Klingons, and that does like I do wonder about. Do we think that it could be the Klingons inside the giant bubble of doom? It's not really a Klingon-y thing, though, is it? No. It, not really. Well, I'm, I'm still going with my theory that it's the planet killer from TOS, but I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in, for no reason, a totally new species, and that's what it is. Well, like, I don't think it would be for no reason. Like, I think at some point we need new and exciting things. Like, I think that's the danger. Like, because we do love the references and we do love meeting people we've met before. But realistically, I think, like, a, a new species wouldn't be a bad thing as long as they do it well and it makes sense. Because sort of the um, Kelpians, we haven't had, like, 
a new and important species, really, have we? But this is an important species. It's species 10cc. Well, that's what... <laughs> uh, I haven't done that once this week, so like that's going to happen now. But I do. I did struggle actually with the name. You know, the, there was people who lived quite nearby who they wanted their star maps. What were they called? Because the sound on the the, the version. Stealth. Was... Stealth. Stealth. The stealth. Because or a fur. The stealth. Because I had the sylph. I was thinking it's the and I was trying to decide what the S would stand for. And that distracted us for, for quite a lot of the episode, I'm going to be honest. I did I did hear self more than once as well. I was like, interesting. S-T-I- you made that choice. S-T-I-L-P-H. Because I had the subs on. Oh, okay. Huh? Well, I had S-I-L-F. So, yeah, I was trying to decide what the S would be. See, I had S-T-I-L-F, which made me think Star Trek I would like to fornicate with. Um <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. It's not like I have never used the word fuck on this podcast, but apparently <laughs> today true. was not the night. <laughs> we're very, I don't think I've sworn once. Uh, we're a very good no, no. We've been quite good until Lindsay has to open her file now. Harsh! <laughs> just remember I'm in charge. I'm going to mute you now. And it wasn't me. <laughs> it what, you mean the other generic female host? Dear. Right, getting back to the point. Okay, um, Jack, do you have anything that we haven't yet uh, spoken about that you would like to bring out? Uh, ideally, in a positive and shiny fashion, and we'll start positively and shinily. Yeah, I, I just thought, basically, <clears throat> sorry, I got that. I, I just thought that but when it came back, it came, it's come back at least quite well. And I mean, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm in mm, for the, so I'm, I'm going to be staying around for the rest of C4, definitely, and almost definitely season five. And there is also the fact that my ankle is still barely, barely working. So, uh, yeah, maybe season six as well. Oh, well, who knows? Who knows? Suki, do you have any other thoughts? Yes, we haven't mentioned uh, Hugh's little scene that he had mm. uh, in his uh, quarters when he starts cleaning because he feels so guilty about Booker. Uh, trying, he was trying to help him, but Booker still went off on his own way. And Corbett's taking it upon himself that he's to blame because he wasn't there for him. And he's got to try and uh, he's got into it. He's got to start cleaning. And I felt really bad. Well, I don't know why. I felt just really bad when he starts shouting at the dot that was there and just start knocking him away. And the dot sort of walks away. And then I was quite relieved when the dot uh, came back again, starts cleaning again after he'd left. But that little scene where Hugh and Stamets have that little heart to heart and Stamets manages to keep calm him down or persuade him to maybe, you know, don't use cleaning as a thing to be able to get over the issues that he's had with Booker. Uh, just go and have a rest, go and have a walk, this new holodeck, and hopefully the things will get better for you. But I did like the fact that it's sort of been building for about two or three episodes, right, that Hugh has taken too much on, and Kovic is coming to explain it to him, but it, it hasn't worked to, uh, well, it has worked because now Hugh has got into, uh, he's got it now, maybe to take a step back and start 
thinking about himself before he starts thinking about the crew. This is what I'm hoping will happen with, uh, yeah. with after this episode. So it's it, realistically, it's been I think four episodes since that conversation with Kovacs. Like this has been building for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I didn't love this scene, and I don't know why. Because yeah. oh. I love Hugh and Paul, and I love fluffy goodness. But yeah, I don't know. I just I, I wasn't I wasn't sure about it for. There was a, a lot of, of angst reasons. in there. There, there was, was and everybody knows how much I love angsty goodness. Um, <laughs> but I just I think. I think what probably threw me is that right at the start, or relatively near the start, Hugh like stipulates that he is responsible for like the psychological well-being of the crew, and I'm like, but you were a doctor. You like, like I, I don't like it's this job description issue. Take seventy-two. Like neither of them have actual jobs. They just do whatever it is the plot needs them to. And I'm finding that really difficult still. <laughs> I'm like, but you, people it just takes can me re- out. It frustrates me. Yeah, but people can retrain in other fields. If it's just slightly adjacent to the yeah, there's space of like the thirty minute gap between seasons. Yeah, well, oh. no, I like I think, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think I think I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens now. Like I, I don't know how they can justify this as as big a plot point as it has been continuing <laughs> on. Um, if that makes sense. Um, but we shall see. Uh, we shall see. I also have questions about whether thirty-first century holodecks still need updated with like flower fields. Like that seemed like. But it might just be updated with this form of flower field. There might be millions of them out there. They just got this one because it's special. Yes. And um, mm. also the anthropomorphized first time. Um, Dots. No. I was like, they're just getting more and more insane and bigger, which doesn't make any sense. Why would you have a robot that big that docks in everybody's room to clean? I imagine it's just one robot per deck or per whatever. But it, it is a bit bit big. But at the same time, I really feel really bad for it. Yes. It's because it's got big eyes and it makes little sad yeah, noises, yeah. like tilts its head Screams. in a sad way. And when it, after after everything, comes back just well, he I, I don't know the robot's gender, but he the, they just give the uh, give the uh, rag to dust, and I'm like, oh, ah, my heart, my heart, ah, all the feels, all the feels. I also, I think one of the things that also threw me out was the fact that apparently in the 31st century we clean with exactly the same stuff that we currently clean with. I was like, that spray bottle looks like it could have come out of my like kitchen cupboard. I feel like they could have put some more production design into that, which is maybe what like, I keep coming back to. I'm kind of expecting Species 10cc to be something cgi heavy and insane because i like it just doesn't feel as expensive as it was but as we've previously discussed maybe that's because they're paying the actors more i don't know did you also (laughs) did you also notice that they had two directors for this episode they had one writer sean cochran and they had two directors christopher j Byrne and jen mcgowan so Mm -hmm. i don't know how that worked on this episode maybe one somebody was actually doing the episode and then they had to uh had to walk away and somebody finished it off maybe maybe but, or maybe somebody did the stuff on the pleasure barge and somebody did the stuff like on the ship <laughs> just the pleasure barge <laughs> i don't know whatever it was called the leisure barge the... 
That's very jab of the hut, isn't it? Yeah. Like that's just <laughs> like that's a little allusion to another franchise, I think. Yeah, oh, well, good mate. Uh, just watching Boba Fett. Okay, places not so okay in others. Okay. Um, have I, we seen this? Oh, sorry, go ahead. I thought about Boba Fett, but that'll take us forever. So. <laughs> we'll talk about it after the podcast. Yeah. As that. the only non-Star Wars fan in this particular space, I will be like, have fun with that. <laughs> um, have we seen that shuttle before? Yes, in the Orville. Ah, okay. <laughs> 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 Franchises again. I was like, that's quite a, a like a sleek looking shuttle. It's like different. Quite well, liked it. I was like, that's such a even if they're new thirty second, I think thirty second century, I think century uh, federation. As such, their shuttlecraft. So. It's not exactly conspicuous to use one of them to go on the mission. Sorry, I was just going to say, I did like uh, the fight sequence, the actual fight sequence that uh, I wish you can. I wish you can. Mm. I always struggle with her name. Uh, she did. Uh, the way she took him out, he just as a bigger, a bigger uh, opponent, and she managed to knock him out. Uh, and the, the way she actually sort of saved her energy until the one that really mattered. And mm. then just used all his skills just to wear uh, all the power. I think that was great. Um, and then we go on to the the changeling, which was a nice touch. Uh, in that we had uh, a Deep Space Nine reference there. Uh, so the changeling uh, using whatever. I don't know why this changeling was trying to uh, swindle the casino. I'm sure he can find other ways and more cleaner ways, better ways maybe to get money rather than trying to uh, do this? So here is a question because I have watched DS9 in completion once um, on various bits of it again. Um, my understanding is the link, the changeling kind of pool of goo gets contaminated. Do yeah. like, the changelings not like die out or do we save them in the end? They, <clears throat> I mean they die out for like a season in the middle of DS9 and I think Odo oh yeah Odo becomes human for that season and then he's changed back to change line I that think. sounds about as comprehensible as most things that happen in DS9 yeah no <laughs> I, I, th I thought there might have been a thing whereby there was a cure Andrea I was just gonna say as well I'm sure like like Odo's obviously sent away um I'm sure they say that he's not the only one. Yeah. Sent yep. off. So, so there's potentially other other changelings who were, who were sent away. So, question. Other than the fact that obviously uh, Rene is not with us any longer, theoretically, like, how long did changelings live for? Like, could he just right. have got better at like creating people, and like, could it just be Odo? Theoretically, I think they live forever. Oh, they're immortal. I think so, and they. I think they said oh, when Deep Space Nine start, Odo is very, very, very young as a changeling. So I think a thousand years would be what it'd be eight hundred years. Wouldn't be anything to him. There we go then. Like your little head cannon until they tell me anything else. That's Odo kicking around there. Um, <laughs> Odo's in prodigy. He well, yes, sort of. Kind of. Sort of, yeah. Spoilers. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. 
Sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I think we've, we've, we've moved past this stage, I think. Um, what other good things? So did anybody else think that Hass had come straight out of the Whedonverse? Um, I thought you looked like a very Buffy slash angel style demon. Oh, the, the design. Slash, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, it's not a recognisable race from Star Trek, is he? No, and that's not a problem. It just he looked very demony. Yeah, now you say it, I I, I see it. Mm. And I, like, yeah. it. It wasn't really a criticism; it was just an observation. I was like, I think it's maybe the horns. I'm not sure. But the way he played it as well, there is there are certain bits the way he's quite playful and confrontational and just wants to get his own way right you could, you could he, he was just a, a great performance by i think it was daniel cash underneath all that makeup i really did like uh, his performance and i hope he comes back but if he's just set on that planet I'd, maybe not i might see a similar person from his species come back yeah or we might end up back there again you never know uh, okay, uh, there, I have one more yeah. thing I would like to discuss before we get to the info dump at the end, uh, which is the number of times somebody said you couldn't possibly have known this was going to happen because we all knew it was going to happen. So why couldn't they know? I'm sorry, sorry, to I was just going to think that. Sorry, my cats should try and eat my dinner. <laughs> oh, was helpful. Sorry. Oh, was helpful. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so me. I should have thought of this. this is, yeah. Hang on. Hang on. Hey, go, Dave. Is your cat called Dave? God, Dave. Yeah. That They're all excellent. dead. <laughs> it's a red dwarf reference. They're all dead, Dave. Dave. Oh, yeah. It could, I, I didn't think to that. It's Cats actually it's only fools and horses. But, <laughs> oh, but, oh yeah, It was because we got him the. Well, he turned up in our garden the day Roger Lloyd packed tight. Oh. Oh. Uh, yeah. What's... Uh, I'm just my blank. What was I trying to think? What's the saying again? We were discussing... Oh, everybody should have known that it was going to happen because we all knew it was going to happen. And everybody just keeps saying, oh, we couldn't have possibly known that Book was going to do uh, something. Well, it, it's sort of... I, I thought that was kind of forgivable, but also not great writing at the same time. And it's something that probably should, when it comes up in when they're writing the script, probably should have like red squiggly line underneath it. Yeah, it, it does get said by several characters. I think I counted at least three times. Somebody tells Michael she couldn't possibly have known. And then Paul and Hugh have that conversation too, I think. Yeah, but to be honest, I don't think she would have known. She, I mean, this guy's been by her side for three years, four years. They've had a close relationship. They're the boyfriend, girlfriend, to use uh, uh, tags like. But they've just... So she probably thinks if she he asked him and not to do these things, he wouldn't have done it. But for some reason, she just... Because she's got the responsibility, I think, of uh, Discovery. Uh, and she's got all these things going on as well. She just hasn't been able to focus on the relationship and keep a close eye on Booker. Maybe she, that's why she just didn't know. Maybe. 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 
I'm just I'm, I'm skeptical. I just I think it's insane that they're all going, oh, this has come totally out of the blue, despite the fact that he's been acting completely irrationally, slightly obsessively, and has made it clear on several occasions that he thinks that they should be doing more than they currently are doing, including at several points in the last episode where he was like, yeah, but we need to do this thing. Yeah, but we need to do this thing. Yeah, but we need to do this thing. Oh, look, you're not going to do it. So I am like. But the the the, the factor there, though, is talker talker. As uh, wasn't uh, wasn't in the sort of in the picture, uh, or he was behind the scenes, so, so to speak, right? So, book, if he'd been just with Michael, she would have been able to calm him down, maybe influence whatever decisions he made. And it's Tarka working in the background, which nobody knew that him and uh, book had got together and been talking. That he's the one that's manipulating this whole thing. You see, like, but. Book has like lived in the science slash engineering bay with Stamets and Tarka for like the last three episodes. Like I don't, yeah, but, I, I, yeah. I, but I, the the influence hasn't happened in the engineering bay. It's happened in whatever the uh, Discovery's version of uh, Ten Forward is. Yeah. It's been away from uh, prying noise. Okay, I will. I will. I, we will agree to disagree. It's a thing. <laughs> Okay, um, so the exciting information that we've got at the end, which is that we've got the shiny star maps, which was apparently the reason we went to the leisure barge of doom, um, and bought them with a like latinum in our uniforms, um, from the stilf or the stilf or the whatever they're called, mm. um, and there is a big cloaked slash dead space slash bubble thing. How are we feeling about the bubble thing? I think possibly plant killer or something like the bog, but admittedly that is fan service, and I think Discovery would do well not to just fall into fan service, but that's what Lower Decks is for. <laughs> but or it could be the the uh, whale pro from Star Trek Four. I have thought about the whales several times this season. I don't know why. I think sometimes we, it's when we get like the sonar stuff. I'm like, oh, whales, sonar. Um, I did anybody else think it was slightly odd that they hadn't done like a, a a composition scan of like the different planets that had been like swallowed up? Oh, what was left behind, and that yeah. they realised that what is it, borolites or borolites? Borolites. Yeah. And that's when they discovered. Yeah, I found that a bit weird. Surely somebody would have noticed after whatever's been after whatever's gone that this is all missing, Andrea. So I was just going to say I think it's like it's a convenient plot device that they're hidden in a book, um, and that allows them to reveal some information, but like obviously like pay it out slowly. Um, so so that's quite handy just in terms of sort of story development. Um, but also this kind of it, it seems like. It seems like they're going down the route of, oh, well, it, you know, it's not a weapon. It's like it's their mining equipment. So it seems like everyone will have a cup of tea and a nice chat and be like, oh, like, we're really sorry. We didn't realise we were, like, caused any harm. We're like, we just needed some stuff. If we can have some stuff, we can all be friends. Um, and I almost, I just wanted them to be, like, space assholes. They were just like, nah, I'm just going to blow you up. But I kind of, like, and then against the odds, like, that type of fight. So my prediction is that 
that's very much what it looks like. It's going to be that like, oh, we didn't know, we didn't mean to cause you harm. We're not really bad people. Um, yeah. And, you know, let's have a cup of tea and all be friends. And, and I kind of don't want that because it feels predictable. You see, it's so funny because that's not what I thought they were going to do at all because they talk about, well, if this is what their mining equipment looks like, what are their weapons like? Because yeah. I think if the idea is that they're super advanced scientifically, the idea that they wouldn't know that they're having an impact on the people whose planets they're stealing seems slightly insane. But is it almost like if they're so advanced like, and their technology is so way beyond anything like people even at that point in time could imagine, is it a bit like getting the exterminator in because you've got a pest problem like no, nobody mm-hmm. feels guilty about like putting something down to get rid of the ants or you know we've got moles at work that things happen and I ask not to see anything I just need to be told that the mole hills are going to go away um they go to live in like a mole paradise that's what I've been told um but it is a is it potentially that they just like they're so far beyond what these other types of life are that they almost don't recognize like that they're doing any harm to anybody who can complain it's okay do, do you know what i was just thinking when you were going on about because they're so far in advanced uh in whatever society they are the race they are i was just thinking hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy we have to make a highway through here we're just going to take a chunk of your solar system out so we could just put something through and this is what they're doing is just in my little stupid head cannon, they're just setting out, uh, the, getting their planning permission basically by just getting rid of the the areas where they need to go. But now that they've said it's a mining ship, uh, the fact that they're collecting energy by destroying planets and solar systems, and to be then be able to use it whatever is in this bubble, and because there's such an advanced society to be able to do that, just by creating five billion light years length uh mining ship or mining anomaly um to be able to do this is makes them even more of a formidable uh, uh race to uh, come across so i'm just wondering oh, i'm hoping it ain't going to be what like andrea says where they just turn around and go yeah we didn't know we were doing this we were you know we didn't realize we were killing i'm hoping it's what andrea says they're just complete arseholes so i i've just been thinking about like what you're saying about the fact that they are apparently mining this stuff because uh, they need huge quantities of energy and that's the science there also felt a bit dodged but anyway they need this product because once they have this product they can create vast quantities of energy it's a thing um like what do you need vast quantities of energy to do so is this like a recharging station for the queue is this like where they go to like like you know get a little a little juice up um or the last time that we saw somebody abusing large quantities of energy to do something was it not the crazy mirror universe thing with their giant spore drive thing of doom like i'm just wondering is there's likely that there because we know that there's an alternate universe element going on here because we know that tarka has some kind of thing whether he's from somewhere else or he just wants to get to somewhere else with his partner or like there's a thing there i'm just like could it be like a little i don't know mirror universe enclave on the edge of the universe or something or on the or on the edge of the transgalactic barrier could be i i was thinking a lot further back than that 
you remember in Next Generation where they went back to 1840-something San Francisco and they were the aliens were collecting the energy from people and they're doing it again. Mm-hmm. So, Interesting. I wonder if it's Anne that was in a re- the recent trilogy called Star Trek Coda. Which I read most of that while I was in hospital, so I'm mm-hmm. like, well, it's in in some certain minds of Star Trek, so maybe. Well, and you also made reference to the Zindu, which is an interesting species or a set of species, species with subsets, um, um, which would be nice to see again. I don't know if this is how I would choose to see them, but it would be quite interesting, I think. I mean, it would come completely out of the blue because mo- I, I would guarantee most people who watch now were watching season three of Star Trek Enterprise, but... I, I didn't watch it at the time, but I have gone back and I watched it and I'm very much a fan. So I, I you never know, you never know. It's, ar- arguably, it's one of the, the earlier um, examples of Star Trek doing an actual arc. Yes, yes. So anyway, we now know more things and there is a giant bubble that we're going to need to investigate. And as they have clearly said, we can't really tell anything about it until we get into it. So that's going to be exciting. <laughs> so no doubt there will be a spore jump or Michael and Book will go on an adventure in a shuttlecraft. Because, <laughs> you know, who knows? Who knows? Who um, knows? Okay. I Did would pay know? to watch that. Sorry, say that again, Jack? I would pay to watch a spin-off of just Michael and Book adventures. Maybe. Maybe yeah. if, they did, like, if they did that, then we wouldn't constantly be getting them in Discovery. Well, I, I just <laughs> love David Jala so much, so, well... I like him a lot, but I also really love Saru, who we're seeing very little yeah. of. Yeah. And I would quite like Tilly back, and I would like more Reno, and I would like Paul and Hugh to have a plot line that isn't just this. But, Go on, Jack. So I was thinking that with so all the Star Trek production at the moment, so Picard and all that, you have to sort of grade on the curve. Because I know it's that behind the scenes they're doing it like a military operation, and it's it's sort of like well, it's not going to be top absolute top tier Star Trek anymore. Sorry, Sophie, go on. No, I was just going back to the fact that uh, they want a spin-off. We sort of had uh, an inkling of what their relationship has been. I mean, they had it in the first couple of episodes when they landed in this century uh, with a, like a fun little thing that they had going. And then that poker scene around the table, they, they were per, sort of perfectly in sync with each other, laughing, joking and making comments. So I feel if they had done something, it had to go before she, uh, uh, you know, in their courier days and it, see how fun these two characters were instead of being, Sorry, Linz, but instead of being in this angsty position that they they have been for uh, the last few few episodes that they have been in. Yeah, no, I th- I, th- I think you're right. Like, I think if they were to do it, it either needs to be like post discovery when they settle down and have kids and like roam the galaxy. Dave. Needs... <laughs> I was Dave! like, is, is that an, an agreement or a disagreement? And like, no, I think it's the cat. <laughs> yeah. 
my sorry, my my cat Dave was just peeing on on the wall. Oh nice! Oh lovely! Yeah, very nice. Walking his territory. Yeah, that's, that could be it. Oh bless! Has the crisis been averted? Uh, oh, there's a bit of a mark there, but at least it's not as bad as it could have been. So I'll, I'll just chuck it on the washing machine tonight. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I, um, I feel like that was a, a protest because we haven't mentioned Grudge. We haven't. I could have been. So, sorry, Dave. Sorry. <laughs> um, am I right in thinking that Grudge was left with Burnham? Did he leave Grudge with Burnham? Yes, I think he yeah. did. Yeah. So she's on Discovery. The Queen has been left behind. We were so convinced that Grudge was going to turn out to be a changeling or something, weren't we? Yeah. I'm sorry. Never know. You never know, but I feel like that's uh... my favorite character now. So, Andrea, <laughs> I, did, I did think it was a nice little touch. You know, on the cards when he turned his cards over, um, like your king and queen, they were cats. Oh, was so it? Queen oh, was a cat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Now them cards. I did. I I, I must have missed it, but I have written it down. It was Leonian Falker. Right, but I just didn't understand the way the game was being played, and then the cards were unfamiliar as well. You know, they, they didn't have the heart, Jack, whatever. Well, they uh, did. They were just stylized. Yeah, they, they just. I just didn't recognise them for some reason, and I just didn't recognise. I did not know what was going on at all until they started saying things like, "Oh, it's a flush," uh, or, or what was the other term that they used? They used another poker term. Straight. Uh, then I just realised they're playing poker. They're playing poker. Oh, that's when uh, it sort of all clicked into into play into place. Like I did, I thought it was some sort of space game, space cards that they were playing. No, I think it was it was it was fairly straight poker. Uh, but like the the tells and like the way that they were trying to like con the wannabe Emerald Chain people, I was like, what is this nonsense? Like, uh, I don't know. There was also a moment where um, when. Um, when she and Washington get pulled up by the guys who are like, you were clearly playing us, give us our Latinum back, which they were clearly playing them. Um, and they're having the fight and Book kind of steps in because the guy's got a knife and obviously, you know, he needs to like, you know, help out. Um, and I've just written, okay, so we're just being reminded that Book is still a good guy, apparently. Like, you know, it just, like, oh, he's a good guy, but he's totally going to go and commit like mass genocide on a third. Oh, yeah. Like, I just, uh, mm-hmm. the whole thing is we're, they're trying too hard to make me think that he's still a good guy. Like, all of these characters going, you couldn't have known, oh, we hope he's okay. Like, but he's the, the, just the, the stolen other... something with the intention to go out and commit, like, a huge, like... Yeah, uh, but they are not going to turn him into a bad guy for the, or in the eyes of the viewer just because whatever he's done is bad, but they're not going to make him out to be a bad guy. They're just going to, you know, put little... Uh, stuff in there to be able to think okay, he's he's still a good guy but he's just done something bad he's just done one thing that's bad Well I'm trying to think like if there's a, an equivalency of like a character who does genuinely like go rogue because like every time you do get somebody who goes rogue it tends to be oh actually they were doing it undercover and it was a whole big thing mm. like I know Tom Paris because it's Voyager that's my, my home grounds like Tom Paris goes rogue and like leaves the ship 
and everyone's like, oh, I can't believe he did that. It's such a disappointment. He's let us down. How, how outrageous. And then like two episodes, he's back, having like helped them catch a spy. Um, but like, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I feel it like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, also, they're like, oh no, he's taken our new spore drive. This is a disaster. Not like he's taken the new spore drive and he's going to give it to our enemy or something. No, he's just taken the one and only prototype. Like, guys, where is your record keeping? Surely he had, like, <laughs> notes and submitted plans and stuff. Like, you could make it again. Anyway, never well, mind. That's, uh, that's the thing I'm finding a lot of TV shows and films when they've got a prototype or, or the first one of something and it gets stolen on the own, like, you didn't think to build a second one or put a, it on a flash drive or something like that. But I suppose the president does call out um, Admiral Vance and be like, you were the one who appointed him and he had like no supervision and what were you thinking? Yeah. And she's not wrong. She's uh, not, but I think there's only one Admiral in Starfleet now, so <laughs> I'm like, well, it but, can't dive some what he wants, really. Yeah. I There's also a scene where... Um, so when Burnham is trying to convince Book not to do this, like not to take the stuff and go and build the weapon, she's like, oh, you're going to burn the bridges. And I'm like, guys, like he stole Federation tech with the intention to go, to, like those bridges should already be burned. I don't understand why this is okay. But the bridges have been burned because he is number one on their, well, number one, number two on their most wanted list. It's just, I think the Discovery crew They'll see it that way. Yeah. Uh, but going, yeah, but if you do this, you can't come back. It'll be like you'll have br- burned the bridges. Like, like that hasn't already happened. Maybe it's just a negotiation technique to try and convince him that he hasn't lost everything and he can come back. But never mind. Never mind. Okay. Go on, um, Andrea. Does, oh, sorry, Andrea. I was just going to say it's quite interesting parallels that conversation he has with Tarkov earlier, where like books pretty much like yeah, I'm gonna like. I'm going to get like put on trial. I'm going to go to prison for this. Like I'm not going to get away with this kind of thing. I know like this is it's going to have consequences. And Tyler's like, no, no, they'll make you a hero when we're going to fix this. And you know, and I don't know if it's just lip service because he wants to keep him on board and saying like, oh, it'll be all right, or if he genuinely believes that. I think Tarka doesn't think they're going to end up in like. I think Tarka's end game is so different. Like Tarka's end game is them being like in a different universe. Yeah, Tarka, I think he's just saying things to Book to get what he wants, right? It's the fact that I think uh, we seem to uh, mention it before that he does want to try and get to either a mirror universe or he's trying to get somebody from the mirror universe to him, whatever. But so he's going to use whatever manipulation manipulation that he can do, tactics that he can use against uh, Book, and that's what he's doing. Just go and do the the act of destroying this new race. And they will then, once it's gone, and they've saved millions and billions of people, uh, they can just turn around and say, this is what we've done. What are you going to put us in prison now for it? And they won't because they will they will spin it around in that relax. We'll probably take some of the credit saying, we sent them on this mission. We've managed to destroy this. We are now, uh, you know, you come back in the fold. This is how he's manipulating him. He's just using these all the sort of tactics behind the scenes. Yeah, and I think... 
So I've, I got distracted halfway through that because I had like re- realized. I do, I, li- I do like to talk a bit, you know. Sometimes <laughs> no, no, I, do, well, I understand when you when you zone out. I understand. Lee. No, no, at all. I just I had this revelation that I can list at least another two instances in Voyager where somebody went totally off piste, but they both involve time travel. Like usually, what happens is somebody does something like so. Spoilers for the end of Voyager. Um, like Admiral Janeway nicks a whole lot of Federation technology to go back in time against Federation diktats. But it's okay, because then time resets and it didn't really happen, so it's fine. Um, I think... Oh, what was it? I was going to say something before I got distracted by that. You were talking about um, oh, the lip service and the, the alternate universes. So he specifically talks about there being more than just one alternate universe. Um, but again, maybe that's just a game. But all of his behaviour, his manipulation, his drive to get this power source, it feels very Lorca. Yeah. Like it just it, like we've been round down this road, road, road. Like he's manipulating the people around him. He's determined to get this power thing sorted. He is doing stuff that doesn't make entirely like it just it feels very Lorca. Um so I like I feel like maybe there's a thing going on there, but I don't really know. Should we ask the Lorca expert? Do you agree, Andrea? Well, he doesn't look as good. Um, <laughs> oh, poor Mr. Doyle. Um, sorry to the, the actor involved there, but it's like it's a tough gig, really. Um, I definitely think that that's why I was sort of saying earlier, like about that. I don't want that kind of rehash of, of that typical kind of villain, and I'm kind of worried we're going to get that. Um, and I sort of hope not, but I still think that I think there's a bigger bad. I, I don't think he looks like someone who can say like cost isn't an issue. Um, there, there's somebody else. There's another tier here, isn't there? I don't think he's the. I don't think he's the top of that tree. It's going to be Georgiou sitting like on a like giant no. ship inside the space bubble. And that's your section thirty-one spin-off there. Well, no, no, I'm thinking like back because she went back to the mirror universe. Oh, so the maybe, uh, the alternative Georgia. Yeah. Well, we only oh. have one Georgia, and she is the mirror. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Much like we don't, ha- we now only have one Lorca, and he is prime Lorca. Because otherwise, I'd be like, mm, maybe, maybe. But actually, if we're going to find Lorca again, it's not going to be in this scenario. I don't think. Maybe, maybe not. Mm. <laughs> okay. Does anybody, Andrea, do you have anything left to say that we have not yet covered? Um, I had a couple of comments on, on the, the sort of the clip of the casino. Um, you know, there's no technology. It was like low rent, shitty Vegas. It was like being in the Grosvenor in Sunderland, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> and also, why is it like we are so far in the future, but they did have a bit 90s drum and bass on? Um, slash like oh. shit techno. Um, so, you know, I'm glad to see they're still putting a donk on it in the future, but it has like casino slash nightclub music not like moved on at all um i'm sure they could have come up with something more interesting that everyone's fighting to come in on this point (laughs) (laughs) which shocks us i was just going to say that i was surprised like i think it's worth noting that i didn't spot a gratuitous number of scantily dressed women which i think there would have been in pretty much every other iteration of this barge on any other star trek good point yes just gonna throw it out there there was no like women in like draped things eating butterflies with long tongues or anything it's okay (laughs) the the only thing i was going to say how does this bot this barge attract customers as soon as they've got this scary security 
thing that, you know, if any spaceship comes any close, it's this sea monster seems to uh, scare them off. How is it attracting customers? I think it's like a case of if you know, you know. That's what I reckon. It's like you either know or you don't. Okay, all right. I'd be, I'd ship my pants and just run off by then. <laughs> but, but presumably you're not a gambling aficionado. No, no, I'm not really. I mean, I think one of my brothers has got my all my poker chips at the moment, and he's never, he hasn't returned them since Christmas. So I want them back, actually. Mm. I'm sure he listens to this pod religiously, and will hear that message. I'll make sure that I'll play it at work when he's, he's when he's around. I'll make sure he'll listen to me. Love it. Uh, sorry, we interrupted you, Andrea. Um, that was it, really. I was just picking up on the um, the slightly nineties musical cues and fab. Uh, Jack, ha- have you got any thoughts that we have yet to to cover? Very well. One specific of I also agree with Andrea about the nineties music cues, but. Is that worse than in first contact when they have in 2063 they listen to music from the 1960s? So I'm um, just like, I think at the end of the day, Star Trek just goes for whatever's the most current thing that's free to play. So I guess Maybe. that's good for the DVDs. I listen to music from like 1860, so I don't know why you wouldn't listen to music from. Several yeah. hundred years ago, I think. But yes, oh, I've got a history degree, so you know, I I kind of live in the past, so so yeah. Well, but yeah, broadly, it uh, definitely Star Trek Discovery is off to a really good start with yeah with this episode. Well, not start, but start of this half of the season. Yeah, restart. <laughs> yeah, restart. There we go. Perfect, Suki. What about you? There's only a couple of things I want to mention. Uh, Saru and Burnham work so well together or know each other that well that Saru can work out the fact that Burnham's now on an unofficial mission that's sort of been sanctioned by Starfleet and, Feder- and the Federation. Uh, so it, it, that, that's that little dynamic which I think was uh, well uh, well put out there. Uh, and I'd like uh, the nicknames Burnham and Booker had which is uh, Burnham was a write-up which he uses quite well a bit later on uh, <laughs> which knocks one out and glowworms which he must have used some of his uh, his talents uh, to be able to suss out whatever he had to do uh, but yeah I like that uh, and I think that's about it from my um, oh yeah uh, there's a scene where I was shooken I was shooken I was shooken and Tarka uh, together right towards the end of the episode and uh, this it's because normally you'd see one of the main highlighted characters having this conversation, but it's not. It's the one of the bridge crew, which is, they haven't been utilising these sort of dramatic scenes in the past. And this is a sort of dramatic scene where she's trying to work out information for, uh, from Tarka and what his motives are, motivation is. And I thought that was well, well utilised there. Go on, Lynn. Well, I really, I think you're totally right. I love that. And I think she does a really good job of interrogating him, probably better than pretty much anybody else has thus far. Um, and he speaks about varying degrees of loss, which made me quite interested. Like, what has he lost? Like, and again, it, it comes back to that AU thing, which feels like a very fanfic terminology. Uh, but it comes back to that alternate universe 
idea because like what he's talking about implies that it's more than an individual it's more than like it makes it sound like it is you know a civilization which yeah it just feels huge i don't i don't know it's gonna turn out they're, they're Krenim and they actually have time ships and they're like trying to like wipe out the entire federation to restore some random something I, somewhere i would love that <laughs> you're on voyager by the way so I, I they can't be the Krenim because Year of Hell is so perfect that is. you can't you can't revisit that. Like yeah, no, I would but be really upset. <laughs> Chikoto aside, yes it is. So oh. I, I just I'm not not sold on Chikoto's character. No, I mean either I'm a major, major JC shipper. I I think Robert Beltran got shafted slash bored some point around season three and it all kind of goes downhill from there um, he did and he tried to get fired from the show but they just kept on giving him more money and i was like okay yeah yeah That's i fine. think uh so wooden he could whittle himself i think is the phrase that uh yeah. comes to mind <laughs> right anything else okay no that's it okay um so unsurprisingly i have a couple of things um so Tarka says to Book that she's hailing him again. Like, I don't really understand. Like, if you have the spore drive, why would you not jump outside of, like, they're hiding, but they're still within hailing distances? That made no sense to me. Um, somebody mm. uses the word arse, and I thought it was done really nicely. I can't remember who it was now. But right. it, I spotted it, because obviously, we, it, it must have been Book, because it wouldn't have made sense for anybody else to use the word arse. Uh, was it? Was it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I have uh, written Zora's doing everybody's jobs officially now um, because she's like, oh, this is too boring for you to do. Let me do it. Stamus does literally no work because Zora does it all. Yes. Yeah. Notice her. She seems to be taking more and more control of day to day runnings. And so, that, well, basically, it might have helped uh, when she took over that. That's where she, uh, Stamus decided to then go and see, uh, see Hugh. And uh, find out what the hell's going on with it yeah yeah but i just like this is a trend and i'm like i don't yeah it's gonna be interesting um oh there's a a quote here his filter was taken from him by cognition pirates i like that <laughs> i was like i don't know if you mean literally or just like you know reasons but you know it's good um i'll watch it i just i think she's excellent in this episode i think they give her some stuff and um, the actress delivers it incredibly well. I'm, I'm really excited. Um, I have literally written, well, that was a short chase when we find book. Like, I, I just, I was expecting more. Like, I was expecting this to be a bigger thing. And it's literally like halfway through the next episode and they found him. But they haven't like, you know, stunned him and recaptured him. Because why would you do that? Um, obviously, they can't stun him because they aren't allowed to have phasers. But... Oh, was just proven she's like a total badass. I think between her and Michael, they could have taken him. Because um, without him, Tarka can't use the spore drive and can't do the thing he needs to do. So, meh. Uh, misnaming. Um, Tarka misnames Owo, uh, which I felt was quite intentionally done. I think it was interesting. He, like, purposefully fluffs her name. Um, and her interrogation is excellent, which we've already discussed. And that is the end of my thoughts. One last chance. Has anybody remembered anything that they have forgotten to say so far? No. no. Excellent. Pretty comprehensive, though. Look at us being comprehensive. Isn't that Yay. exciting? 
Um, okay, so we will be back in just a wee second with some of your thoughts. So let us hear from some of you lovely listeners. Um, we have a few comments to this week. Um, Jack, do you want to go first? Yeah, why not? Uh, I've got Dave from the Doctor Who Show. Hello, I'm back on track. Here's episode eight for you. I tweeted my late episode six, seven comments if you want them. Sorry if I missed the recording, but I was in Hawaii. You lucky, lucky. Oh. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm going to America next month, but I had to wait two years for it. Uh, I, so I'm going to... I couldn't acquire the episodes in time. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> no, I don't. No. Uh, the best episodes since the examples, episode five. Uh, little fun space story. DS9 fan in me was very pleased to finally see the little nods to that show in this season. The space casino was fun and the actual... Sorry, my, my fungus slipped. Space casino was fun and there was some extra tension in the plot. Even made to make, managed to make the space card games seem interesting. Star Trek is at its best when exploring strange new worlds. You should do a show about that. <laughs> the info at the end and neatly. Where am I? Oh, there it is. Sorry, I've got crumb in my way. Uh, the info at the end nearly moved season on, and honestly, this should have been a revelation at the mid-season cliffhanger. Okay. It does commit uh, the ongoing Cinder season, though. People speaking for ages, talking earnestly about stuff we already know. In this episode, we get a long scene with the Admiral and the Captain earnestly speculating the motivations of Book and Tarka. When Book and Tarka have already explained their motivations at considerable anti length in the last episode. <laughs> the president is still annoying. I assume by that they mean President Trump. The president is still <laughs> annoying, but my crush wasn't uh, my crush wasn't in this one. But a fun episode after two duds, three three point seven lights. Cheers for that, Dave. Now, there's one thing I want to bring out. I want to still want to know who his crush is. Right? Right. It's been ongoing now for quite a while. We need to and go back and look at all the episodes he says they are not in. I I think it's Grudge. Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Was Grudge not in the last episode? Oh, I don't remember. Uh, well, who, who is not? Who is regularly not in it? Well, Nilsson's not been in it for a while. She had the awful wig. Oh, well, right. Oh, no, she's in it. Detmer. Detmer's been in quite yeah. a lot as well, though. Was she in this episode? She wasn't in this episode, but she's oh. been in other episodes that yeah. I think this comment has also been made. Or maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's another ship. Who knows? <laughs> maybe it's the Starbase. Maybe. 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 People in Star Trek love lots of strange things. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, right, uh, Andrea, what about you? So we've got uh, Tom Turtle on Twitter who says, I fear I've left it too late. You haven't, Tom. You've gotten in just uh, just before the bell. 
as I was only able to watch the latest episode a few moments ago. Once again, a bit ho-hum, but at least the story is developing a bit. I think things will only really pick up when the new aliens, Tensei, arrive. Three lights out of five. Excellent. Thank you, Tom. Um, obviously, we love to hear your thoughts, so do get in touch, even if it's just to give us a rating or a kind of three-word synopsis. I love a three-word synopsis. Um, well, no, well, I meant our lights out of five rating, but if you would like to rate us on your podcast, uh, Catcher of Choice, then obviously we're always delighted to have your reviews or your stars. Be sure to subscribe so that our podcast automatically lands in your feed. Um, Sorry, I'm a little bit carried away. You can tell I've been listening to newscast this week because they have like a thing at the end, and that's pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Anyway, yeah. um, well, it's this is the has to edit out because we forget what happens next. Compose yourself. Compose yourself. Compose myself. Serious in charge face. (laughs) Um, it's time for us to score this episode with our lights out of five. How many lights you see? I asked how many lights you see. Um, because I love consistency, Andrea. Um, I'm going to give it four. I really enjoyed it. And I think it was just kind of mentioned there. It's the episode I've liked best since the examples, which I also liked. So that's how I'm going with four. Okay, excellent. Um, Jack. I, I'm going to give it uh, optimistic four and a half out of five. I... I really, really liked the performances, especially from Sneaker Martin Green and David Jawa, whom I think they'd be stupid not to make him Bond, but again, we can go on this forever, so I won't. But I would I would be here for that. I am not against that at all. He's uh, super, super, like, he's, like, extra lovely in real life, I, I can confirm. Oh, yeah. Oh, every time she puts it in, it makes the rest of us just jealous. It was every oh, time, oh. Andrew. <laughs> that, that'll be, that'll be um, <laughs> I, I was there too. He, he's a lovely man. Lovely man. Oh, man, Jack, you as well. Oh, happy yeah. neck. I know, I know. All I these people are like. Lids, we, we left that, man. I know, I know. Oh, no. It's all right. It's okay. Uh, I have feelings and thoughts about such things. Um. Suki, lights out yes. of five. Um, you know, this, as uh, we've said, this is the best episode I've seen since possibly, yeah, the examples. So I'm actually going to give it a decent rating as well. So I'm going to give it a four out of five because I did mm. enjoy it. Okay, I'm going to go uh, 3.5. I think there's some excellent, uh, excellent performances. I'm really happy that Oshigan got like a bit of screen time. But some of the things that are frustrating me are frustrating me quite a lot. So I'm going to go with that. Now, because there are four of us, we get to pick a red shirt. That's how the rules work, isn't it, Suki? Is there rules into the, in this thing? It's normally well, just I'm a charge, me anyway. So I've decided that we can have a red shirt today. Oh, good grief. <laughs> I woke up this morning, put on my red shirt. Um, last but not least, let us choose which of our fellow crew members uh, has been the most unreasonable um, and how we would like them to uh, meet their end. Uh, Andrea, 
Um, do you know I'm really struggling this week? I normally have some ridiculous like reason for nomination, but I don't know what it is. Um, I've got one. If you want it, okay, for deciding there's going to be a red shirt this week, because <laughs> that's what I'm going to be doing. Oh, harsh, harsh. Okay, so Suki's voted that's for me. A bit me. of a preview there for you mm-hmm. when it comes to my turn. Okay, well, we'll, we'll just take Suki's vote in in consideration now. Uh, Jack, do you have any thoughts? Oh god. Uh yeah. Well my main point is I don't want to register anyone because this is this is like my favorite podcast uh caveat that I'm not regularly on. So <laughs> but yeah, uh, oh god. Uh who do I oh, it's difficult. Everyone's everyone's been so nice. How, how okay, I I'm gonna vote for Dave the cat. Uh, <laughs> for like, okay. no. Now you've got for, to for interrupting our flow and generally marking his territory. Dave, definitely for peeing, peeing on my on my rug. Yeah, definitely. Dave the cat is worthy, but I've decided I'm going for Sucky because I've just I've realised that I've been reminded that he made us watch that fucking awful episode of the animated series once. So. <laughs> I'm going to rake that back up and like throw it in his face. So that's my decision. That's okay, so Suki's voted thing. for me. Andreas voted for Suki. Uh, I voted for Dave the Cat. Jack? Jack, I don't Dave the Alice brought Dave, definitely. Excellent. Okay, Dave the Cat, we are going to uh, dress you up in a little red shirt. And what are we going to do, gentlefolk? Oh, cute! Not, excuse me. With all the stuff about cats in the news in the last few few couple of days, I'm not going yeah. around harming or saying anything against the cat. So, Otherwise, so I'm going to get cancelled. So, I am out of this conversation altogether. <laughs> Day of the cat to live at Kurt Zuma's house. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to suggest that maybe we should uh, put him into uh, the transporter thingy. And just not rematerialize him. So he will not be in pain, he will just cease to exist He's until. The transporter buffer. That's it. So he can be on memory stick, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But he won't get any cat now because he's a bad cat. <laughs> he's a very bad cat. And, and note that I'm not going uh, into the conversation about the fact that we seem to care more about the fact that he attacked a cat than we would have if he slapped his girlfriend or pushed somebody down a flight of stairs or been uh, convicted uh, of, of all sorts of nonsense and then given a job in a football team. Anyway. And, and um, let's <laughs> mention the fact that like Newcastle fans are all buying inflatable cats for when we pay West Ham. Really? <laughs> ah. Are you just going to like throw inflatable cats onto the pitch? Oh, just generally use them to like taunt West Ham. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna watch that. I'm not even that big into football, but I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> Sometimes the drama is what matters. Suki. No, I'm just gonna say, you know me, I'm a big Liverpool fan. Even I put Liverpool to one side today because at two o'clock when they were playing their game, I actually had to be on somebody else's podcast, and I missed the whole of that game. Which he's is such a, a podcast tart, isn't he? He's like he's been around them all. He's like a podcast bike. <laughs> yeah, oh, flipping heck. Is that what they're putting on the toilet walls these days? For me. What, a bike rat? Yeah. Um, 
Okay, so before we say good evening or good night or goodbye, because who knows when you're listening to this, um, Jack, if people would like to find you on social media platforms, how are they best to go about doing that? And do you have any other wares to tout? Yeah, uh, I I do. I I um there there words. I can't do words. I uh, I moderate uh, the Give Me a Whole Year podcast and Rest the Story podcast, and also write for Robot Republic. And it's usually about Star Trek. So always exciting. Always uh, and and I tweet them especially right now because. With my ankle being shattered into four pieces, I I got a lot of time on Twitter, so I. Tweet. Not a good place to be, Jack. Not a good place <laughs> not, to be. Not at the moment. No, it's not. No. Uh, well, though, I try to concentrate on the good things on that, which is getting fewer, but they they're there. What but what's your hand? What's your handle on Twitter? I am at Jack one seven zero six A, because. Uh, I, I thought, oh, and second prize called Enterprise A. There you go. Perfect. Cool. Fabulous. Um, does anybody else have anything else they would like to tout? Suki, one of your many podcast appearances. <laughs> I will tell you about it. Uh, there will be dropping in the next week or so, which will be Custom TV podcast. And I'm reviewing on the, the Fear Index Reacher. Uh, a Louis through documentary on the far right in America, and what's the other thing? Oh, Bel Air, which is the new uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air adaptation re- reimagining. Uh, but also, please do check out our other podcast, which will also be dropping on our stream, uh, which is with the Davis family, and they've been excellent on these on these episodes. Please give them all your support as well, and give them a follow. Uh, you will see all the links on the various uh, Twitter handles that I've got uh, if, when you uh, cl- uh, click on their uh, the podcast. Uh, that's about it. Thank you. Oh, one other thing. I did put something out, which the two girls from the Davies family wanted to find out. Do a hero- the Herogen? The Herogen. Herogen. Do they look like bread? Yeah. Uh, they do. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm go with that. Yeah, I think one of my friends posted, because she's a bread-making fiend apparently, um, some bread today that is so much like a Herogen that I might need to squeeze it and put it on Twitter, because it is remarkable. It's the right colour and everything. It's kind of freaky. Mm. Put it there, and I'll make sure the the girls get to see it as well. Perfect. Is there one more thing, Colombo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was a character that looked exactly like Colombo in the Fear Index book. Don't watch Fear Index, it's crap. Anyway. <laughs> I thought you were about to say in this episode of Discovery, and I was like, what? Because yeah. yeah. that would have been impressive. They could have had a Peter Falk-esque character in this. Oh, oh well. Right. End, well this, end this episode, Linz. End this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed and that you are looking forward to the next episode of Discovery and the next episode of Trek This Out as much as we are. Good night. Uh, oh, goodbye. Uh, Good night, goodbye, and whatever you are. Um, so it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from everybody else. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, and good luck. <laughs>